Thank you for listening to the Giving Light Podcast. We are a family church and world outreach center. Our heart is to empower you to walk in true freedom and equip you to impact your world. Please visit our website at givinglight.org to learn more about us and our many resources, including original music by Brave Music, e-courses for leaders, tools for raising powerful kids, and more. If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. How about over here? How are we doing? Doing great. Thank you, Lord. Well, we're going to be continuing uh, the, the book of James. Hallelujah. Sounds like they're having fun back there. <clears throat> if, I, if only I could get that response. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. We're, uh, we're continuing uh, with the book of James, but uh, I had a couple of thoughts before, uh, before the, the, or during the worship. Uh, do you know that God is always desiring to pull you up? God is always desiring to lift you up. God, all throughout the Bible, you know, I used to read the Bible and I'd think, man, God's mean in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. He kind of chills a little bit. You know, it's all good. But the reality is, is God, God all through the Bible is, is uh, bringing salvation to mankind. And uh, there's been a statement made before there was sin, there was already a Savior. You know, the Bible says that Jesus Christ was the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. So, so even before you sinned, even before you made your mess, even before you made your mistake, whatever you've done in the past, God already had a solution to, uh, to fix it, okay? How many of you have ever uh, got into a project and it didn't turn out the way you wanted I have a story to tell. I've never told this before because it was such a shameful thing to me, okay? So this is the first time I've ever told this story. I remember it was at uh, the first church. I was, uh, I was an assistant pastor and uh, it's a fairly large church for that day. It's around 500 people. And uh, they wanted to... Um, they wanted to put a new floor in the church basement in the fellowship hall, and uh, they wanted to lay tile. Have any of you ever laid a tile floor? Not a ceramic tile, but a tile floor. Well, there is, uh, you know, it was a large job, and so uh, they kind of broke it up into crews. And what they did was they drew a line down the center of the room, and then they drew a line. They, they, they found the center. And when I took, uh, they, get, they should have never done it, but they, they uh, put me in charge of one of the crews, you know. And the guy said, whatever you do, start in the center line and work your way out. Okay? Now, if you've ever done a tile floor, you already know why. If you've never done a tile floor, then you might have a problem. You might not. You might wonder, well, why do they do this? Well, 
I had a particular, and I was going to follow the rules, but I had a guy, I was in my 20s at the time, and there was a guy, he was an older guy, maybe in his 40s or 50s. <laughs> you know, that, to me, that was an older guy. That's a young man to me now, but anyway. And so this guy, uh, you know, I couldn't tell him what to do. He wouldn't listen. So he wanted to work his way out from the center, and then instead of going back to the center, he wanted to go back from the wall back to the center and just do that. Well, you know what? That screws up a floor. <laughs> you get your tiles off. What's nice about working from the center and working out, you have a wall with, uh, with trim on the bottom, and you have that trim off, so you get, to the, you get to the wall and you make your cut, and then you cover the edge with, with your trim. Well, this guy didn't do that, and so what it did was it set everything off, and it looked terrible. It looked terrible. You know, when God tells us, when God gives us instructions, he's not trying to mess with you. He's not trying to make your life miserable. He wants to tell you that if you'll do it my way, then you're going to have life and life more abundantly. Yeah. But I couldn't. And, you know, Julio, I, I'm just going to tell you, I'm not talking about you, but the guy's name was Julio. <laughs> I love the guy because we used to play volleyball together. You know, but you could not, and see, he's an older guy. I'm sure he was 45 or 50, you know. I couldn't tell him what to do. Well, you know what? God, I'm sure, thinks the same thing. I've got this line, and if they will just do what I ask them, then their lives are going to work out. You know, and even if you, I maybe I shouldn't use this word, but this is, this is just what the word that comes to me. Even when you screw up. Right. You know, I've heard some of you say a lot worse than this. <laughs> I'm thinking, my gosh. <laughs> but anyway, even when you destroy things in your life, God has the ability to turn it around. Yes, yes, yes. But you know what? The floor still might look like this floor still might look a little crooked. As a matter of fact, the last tile job I did, I love doing tile, ceramic tile. You know, because it just makes things, it makes things look nice. But the last job I did, I must have screwed up. Because <laughs> right at the edge, the tiles didn't line up. Well, maybe you ought to look at the last floor I did first. <laughs> But you know what? I just, Melody just put a rug over it. I wanted to tear it up and, and fix it. Yeah. Because you can fix it. But she just wanted to put a rug over it. Hallelujah. No, I'm not into perfection, believe me. So when I talk today, God's not mad at you. God has a solution for what you do. But he says, here's the line. Johnny Cash said, because you're mine, I walk the line. 
You know, uh, I heard a story, this is true, um, a, a grandchild come up to the grandmother and said, uh, did Johnny Cash go to hell? She said, well, why do you ask? He says, because he fell into a ring of fire. <laughs> well, you know, the first time I heard it, I kind of thought that too. And I wasn't a little kid, but anyway. So, with all that in mind, God has a solution to get you back to where your life can be restored. You know, from the 20, have you ever read the 23rd Psalm or have you ever heard somebody read it or have you ever quoted it or memorized it? It says, he restores my soul. Yes. He restores my soul. Well, we've been, talking, we've been talking through James. And James really, as I, as I continue to study it, I see it's a book about living by faith. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. But there are things that we do that will encourage our faith, and there are things that we do that will hinder our faith. And so that's what the book of James is about. Well, we're, we finally made it to chapter 4, and I want to get through this <laughs> because people are making jokes about me. So we're still jogging through James. Hallelujah. Well, I just want to give a quick review. In chapter 1, we see that faith is tested. Faith is tested. Why is faith tested? It's because faith has to be tested to mature it. We are, we are tested so that we can mature. You know, I love little babies, but I'd hate to be changing a diaper at 30 when they're 32. Think about it. How many of you guys ever changed a diaper and, you know, you just wanted to throw up? <laughs> you know, the gag reflex. What do you think it'd be like if you had to change a diaper? You know, some people like that. I'm not making fun of them. I'm just telling you how I would respond. So our faith has to be tested so that we'll bring maturity so that we can walk, walk in a way that we're, we're, not, we're, we're not falling all the time. Also, if you, if you lack wisdom, you ask for God in faith. And he gives liberally. God is a liberal giver when we ask in faith. We also see from chapter, from chapter 1 that Satan tempts us to do evil to weaken our faith. You know, Satan doesn't really care about you. That's right. He doesn't care about you, but he knows that your faith will overpower him. Yes. And so he wants to weaken your faith so that you cannot overpower him, so that he can rule over you. But let me tell you, when, when we get strong in our faith... Our words put him under our feet because Jesus has already placed him there. The Bible says that the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. 
But bless God, we can't be afraid and see it. Oh, we got to back off. No, the reality is, as we walk by faith and as we walk by faith, he's put under our feet. You know, you look at the world and you think, it don't look like he's under our feet. But the, the reality is there is a king coming and every knee will bow. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Hallelujah. Faith, strength, faith is strengthened when we look to the goodness of God. This is from chapter 1. Don't be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. That means he is not, he does not need to have a cup of coffee in the morning when he gets out of bed before you can talk to him. You ever, you ever run into, ever see anybody? They say, don't talk to me until I have my coffee. Yeah, I used to like, uh, I liked Steve McQueen when I was a kid. And um, there was a picture of him holding a mug of coffee. And it says, my coffee doesn't talk to me in the morning. Be like my coffee. That's just a thought. Why did I do that? Oh, every good and every perfect gift is from above and come. God doesn't need a coffee. He's always good. He never changes. Doesn't matter what you've done, what you've gotten into, God's always good and God can fix it and bring you back to the center line. Thank you, Lord. Yes, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Ever. Faith, for it to be strengthened, has to be exercised. Be a doer of the Word of God. What does it mean to be a doer of the Word of God? Well, if you see something in the Scripture, or if you hear a message, and it touches your heart, and, it, and it, uh, you see that you're not conformed to what God says, then you need to shift and conform to the word and not try to conform the word to your lifestyle. You all feel quiet in here. <laughs> you know, Jesus said the truth will make you free. Some people say it'll set you free. Jesus didn't say he'd set you free. God gave me an illustration one time. He says, set it. Setting you free would be opening the prison doors and letting you come out. Making you free as he reaches in through the keyhole and he grabs you and pulls you through and you're changed. <laughs> How many of you know you go through the keyhole, you're going through some transformation. Thank you, Lord. From chapter, uh, from chapter two, we see that uh, faith and the royal law of liberty cannot be separated. What's the royal law of liberty? The royal law of liberty is the law of love. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandment. But he's not just talking about loving God. He's talking about loving our neighbor. The book of John, uh, the epistle of John says that if you say you love God and hate your neighbor, you are a liar. 
The Bible says that if you, are, if you hate your brother, you are a murderer. You don't even have to do it. And believe me, I've thought many a time. I've had to repent many times. Like even on the way to church. No. Uh, yeah. Not today, though. Thank you, Lord. Are you getting anything out of this? God has a line. He's a good God, and he can change your... your he doesn't need to change your past, but he can heal your past. Yes. He can heal your mind concerning your past. And when you look at that crooked floor, you're not wounded by that. Like I said this morning, I never told that story before because it was an embarrassment to me. But I must be healed now because now you all know it. <laughs> but if we ever put in a tile floor, you're going to build by the line. <laughs> Walk the line. I keep a close watch on. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, we walk the royal law of liberty. Why? Because faith works by love. Yeah. You say, well, I have all the faith in the world. But if you're not loving, you do not, you have, you have broken faith. Yeah. You cannot love God and hate your brother. Yeah. You can't love God and hate your wife. Oh, boy, I just better just keep going. Let's go to uh, hallelujah. You have to, for, for your faith to operate, you have to control what comes out of your mouth. Mm -hmm. well, I like this. If you have your Bibles uh, or fake it, uh, turn, in, turn in your uh, iPhones to... Uh, <laughs> 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. He says, Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion one towards another. Love is brothers. 1 Peter 3, 8. Be tenderhearted and courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but, contrary, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you are called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. You want to be blessed? Yeah. You want to be blessed of the Lord? Then start blessing people. It is easy. And believe me, I have people that I can't think about. Because if I do, I get very upset. They're controlling my life and a lot of other people's. But the reality is I cannot let that hinder my love life and I cannot let them control my tongue. Because if they control my tongue, then I'm speaking curses and I do not receive the blessing of the Lord myself. The blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Thank you, Lord. So how many of you want to inherit a blessing? Yeah. 
Well, this is the way you do it. Start blessing people. Start speaking. You know, sometimes you have to just think, what, how am I going to bless that person? Man, you sure breathe real good. Man, you know, you just, sometimes you just have to think beyond your natural mind. Ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what can I say? And don't even have to bless them to their face. You can bless them. Lord, I bless uh, some people. I just say, Lord, bless them with salvation. Bless their family with salvation. Bless them with healing and deliverance. Bless them with revival, Lord. Bless them in the name of Jesus. They don't even know I've said it. But I'm training myself so that I speak blessings so that I can inherit a blessing. Because believe me, if, if there are things hindering me, then it's hard for me to minister to somebody else. I remember my sister told me one time, her and I don't think alike theologically in some things. We all, we all believe Jesus is Lord, died on the cross for our sins, rose again. But she told me, she said, oh, you're just selfish. So what do you mean? She said, oh, you, he who speaks an unknown tongue edifies himself. You just, you just want to just edify yourself. She stumped me for a second. Well, a little longer than a second. The Lord said, if you don't build yourself up, how are you going to build anybody else up? If you don't build yourself up, how are you going to build it? And did you hear all these prophetic words this morning? What were they? They were words of encouragement. They were words to build up. I have to admit, I, this season I've watched American Idol. <laughs> uh, after the season's over, I'll repent. No. No, the reality is, is they take these common people, they give them a chance, and there was this one guy, he thought so little of himself he wouldn't, even, he wouldn't even enter the contest. And so his boss sent a, sent a thing in to the committee, and they picked him. And he comes in, and you know, he's just a natural country voice, you know. So anyway, and he's in the final three. And I think he's now just kind of getting it, that he might have a chance. And I think that's the way a lot of Christians are. I think we, I better talk over here. They're, they see my back too much. <laughs> I think we need to realize how God sees us. I think we need to realize that he raised you up and seated you in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. You are more than a conqueror. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Yes. If, I, if I could sing like Josh Groban, I'd sing you a song. He raised me up so I can stand on mountains. He raised me up to walk on stormy seas. 
I am strong when I am on your shoulders. You raise me up to more than I can be. That is the word of the Lord to you today. He raised you up, and even if you stumble, he still picks you up. We've got to get back to the line. The line is not to restrict you. The, line, the word of God is not to restrict you. The word of the Lord is to liberate you. Yes. Hallelujah. I didn't even get to chapter four yet. <laughs> so let's do chapter four. He says, where do fights and wars come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasures that war in your members? Let me just say this. When you don't see yourself as God sees you, then you start to have to do things to make yourself feel like that you're worth something. Well, I need this to make me. You know, advertise, the, all of advertising is to get your money, but they tell you if you buy my product, you will feel better. You will be, you will be, you will look better. You will smell better. You will, you know, you'll impress everybody in town. And then they'll just go buy something else and then you will be under them again. So then you have to buy something else. So when I don't feel adequate, in what the Lord has made me, then I have to look for something to build me up, to satisfy me. He says, you lust, and lust there's desire. You lust and do not have, you murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. The hating, the murder there is if you hate your brother, it's the same as murder. But see, uh, you have to take this in with the last chapter. He just didn't, he just didn't skits out here. This is taken from the last chapter where they were blessing God in their worship, but they were cursing people that are made in the similitude and likeness of God. And he's saying, you can't do that. He says, you ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives or amiss, that you may spend it on your own pleasures. There's an apparent disconnect between the person and the father when we start, when we are rejecting other people because the Bible says God is love and if I'm spending time with him, I'm not only receiving his love, but he's given me more than enough that I can give some away. Jesus said, freely you receive, freely give. Is God, God's not Brill Cream. <laughs> anybody, anybody know what Brill Cream is? A little dabble, do you? It's a hair, it was a hair thing. You only need a little drop. But that's the way we think with that's the way we think God is. God will just give us just enough. No, God, the Bible says God lavishes his love on us. Yeah, yeah. And the best way I can describe lavish is when I used to eat turkey sandwiches. 
after Thanksgiving, I would lavish the mayonnaise <laughs> on the bread. Salt and pepper. And when it bit, when I bit into it, the lavish mayonnaise would run down both sides of my cheek. But that's the way God is. God, when he pours his love out upon you, he lavishes it. So he's not just giving you enough just for you. He's giving you enough for, my, for more. He says, adulterers and adulteresses, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. I want to spend a lot of time on this, but the scripture talks about in the Old Testament that when the Israelites, uh, after they got into the promised land, they started worshiping idols, but they also worshiped God. They worship idols, they worship God. And God says, you have been unfaithful to me. So that's, that's the context here. He says, don't, don't live like the world and just continue to act like it's okay. He's called you to inherit a blessing. Turn to somebody and says, you're about to inherit a blessing. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. He says, Or do you think that the Scripture says in vain, the Spirit who dwells in you yearns jealously? We see that God yearns for a pure relationship with His sons and daughters. God yearns for a relationship with you. He wants a pure relationship with you. He doesn't want you... Uh, in prayer, communicating with him and thinking about what you're going to do. How many of you have ever done that? I do. I've done that. But he wants, he wants a relationship where we really love him because he really loves us. Yes. But I love this. He says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Let me just say this, that pride is your kryptonite. <laughs> That's good. Pride is your kryptonite. We say, I'm not proud. Don't call me proud. Well, you just proud. You just showed you are, because you, you wouldn't receive what I said, because God said it. So God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And what does pride mean? Pride means when I, that when I know the will of God, I refuse to do it because I've got a better idea. I think I'm a Ford. Ford's got a better idea. When God says something, I want to yield to it because I know he's got a better plan. It keeps me on the center line and I don't screw up the whole tapestry. Thank you, Lord. Therefore, you know, and this verse is usually just quoted and not, nothing else around it is quoted. Therefore, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Most of the time, the first part of that verse isn't even quoted. We just say, resist the devil and he will flee from you. No, I'll tell you what, you can resist and resist and resist, 
But if you are not submitted to God, then you can yell and scream, bawl and squall and kick on the wall and you will not move the devil. But when you are submitted to God in a loving relationship and you're giving up those things that are dividing you and Him, then you don't even have to say it sometimes. He just gets, he just gets fearful and runs. I'll tell you what, I, I, I believe that the body of Christ is going to get to the place where we're walking in faith, we're walking in love, and the enemy's just going to flee, and we won't even have to deal with him. We'll just be, we'll just be spreading the gospel in a way that's going to draw people to Christ. Thank you, Lord. Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. God's looking for you. God's longing for you. You know, God's still seeking you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Let's go back to the first chapter where he said, the double-minded man, let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So I've got to keep my heart totally focused on him so that I'm not just swaying back and forth. You know what? You know, a guy would probably understand this. But you know, it'd be like uh, having a board on a picket fence and you're straddling it and you're just kind of swaying back and forth. What happens if you fall? <laughs> you see all the guys, hey, yeah, yeah, I got that. I'm sure the women would get that, got that too. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. He says, lament, lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy into gloom. Humble yourself under, in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. How long do I have to mourn until he lifts you up? Do you know what? I found out that it doesn't take a month to repent. I found out that when I repent, it is an instantaneous thing where the power and the love of God just saturates me. So as soon as I repent, you know, how long do I have to mourn? As long as it takes you to repent. Truly repent. We're not just talking about lip service. He says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Our responsibility is to humble ourselves. Jesus said that without him, we can do nothing. So we even need the help of the Lord to humble ourselves. His, your job is to humble yourself. His job is to lift you up. The reality is, is a lot of times we're trying to do all the lifting. We're trying to lift ourselves up. But if we humble ourselves, he automatically lifts us up. And then he goes on to say, and he goes, kind of goes back to the same theme from the last chapter. He says, do not speak evil one of another. Right. He says, he who speaks evil of a brother judges his brother. 
And that word judges means condemn. Because, you know, we, we actually need to judge. You know, that person, if he keeps going, walking in that direction, he's going to fall off that cliff, but I don't want to judge. That bur- person's in a burning house. You know, and they're not aware of it, but I don't, I don't want to judge them. I might be good to let them know. I wonder how many people die, die, die in a fire because there's nothing that wakes them up. Oh, but I don't want to judge. No, you, no, it's not judging that's condemning. Oh, they should have had a, they should have had a fire alarm in there. <laughs> what if the battery's dead? I don't know why I'm on this. Why? You know, God's God's not judging a person because they're in the fire. He wants to save them. And he wants to use us to do it. But he goes on to say, he says, uh, he who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. If you judge your brother, if you judge people, if you're, if you're gossiping about people, if you're putting people down, you're not judging just them. You're judging God's law because the law of God, uh, the law, royal law of liberty is the law of love. Amen. You say, well, that royal law doesn't work. I've got a better idea. <laughs> we'll see how long that lasts. He goes on to say, there's one lawgiver who is able to save and destroy who, who are you to judge another? There's another, another place where it says, who are you to judge another man's servant? Say, that's above my pay grade. <laughs> Some of you aren't saying it. You're not with me. <laughs> that's above my pay grade. When I judge or condemn others, it's above your pay grade. Hallelujah. All right. We're going to get done. Let's go to verse 13. He says, Come now you who say tomorrow, today, tomorrow, we will do such and such. Uh, Today and tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and we'll buy and sell and make a profit. uh, Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is a vapor that appears for a little time, and when it vanishes away, then it vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast, uh, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. So in other words, what he's saying is that I just make plans that ignore God. I make my plans and I just ignore God. And then when I get in trouble, who do I go to? I go to him. But what does he do? He brings me back to the center line. 
He brings me back to the center line. Remember, before there was sin, there was a Savior. Before you messed up, He has a plan. He doesn't want your life to... He doesn't want you living a miserable life. I think the reason we live miserable lives is because we make them miserable. Oh, did I say that? I'm not saying you won't have problems. Turn to somebody and say, have you had a problem? Well, of course, we've all had problems, but what do we do with it when we get into it? We need to go, we need to return, like he said, return to the Lord. He says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace. And, and I want to read in closing. I want to read from an Old Testament passage called Zechariah. Anybody know who Zechariah is? It's been so long since I talked to him, I can't find him. There he is. <laughs> Chapter 4. You know, and there's one verse here that we always quote. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. All Pentecostals quote that scripture. All spirit-filled people, we quote that scripture. But there's other scriptures around it. You know what the scripture's all about? Solomon had built a beautiful temple and they didn't stay in the center line. So Nebuchadnezzar came in and totally destroyed the beautiful temple that Solomon built. And all there is is a pile of stone, a pile of rubble. And so God lets them come back to the land. And he says... uh, He says some things before it, but for time's sake. He says in verse 6, So he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel's rebuilding. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. If you want to get anything done, you need the Holy Spirit. I need you. What does the Bible say in James? He says the spirit yearns jealousy for connection, relationship, so that he can empower you. He says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Who are you, O great mountain? The mountain is the rubble. Do you have any rubble in your life? you have a mountain in your life? Well, Jesus said I could speak to the mountain. He did say that, but you still, Jesus said, without me, you can't do anything. So you need the spirit. He says, who are you, O great mountain before Zerubbabel? You shall become a plain and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. What's that mean? You've got a pie, you've got a mess in your life. You got a pile of heavy stones. It's like it's impossible to move, but God's going to take you and rebuild a temple with those heavy stones. But he says, you're not going to do it by yourself. He says, you're going to do it by the spirit of the Lord. And he says, you're going to do it with shouts of grace, grace to it. What is grace? 
Grace is God's favor and God's divine enablement in your life. You're not going to fix your mess on your own. It's going to be the grace of God. So I need you, Lord. I need your spirit. I need your power. I cannot do it on my own. Get me back to the center line so that I can see your blessing, not only in my life, but in the life of others. Do you know that when you are blessed, you should be a blessing to others? That's why God wants to bless you. Do you know, and you know, I could preach all day, but I'm looking at Dean, he's ready to go. <laughs> Uh, no, no, I'm just, just picking on him. Hallelujah. Amen. So what do we do? I just say to humble myself. Lord, whatever I'm doing in my life that's, out, that's off the line, awaken, my, awaken me to see it. You know, because sometimes, how many of you know that sometimes you're going in the wrong direction and you don't know it? And you're too prideful. You know, the beautiful thing about GPS, you don't even have to ask anymore. (laughs) But I'll tell you what, I had a GPS one time that took me places I did not want to go. It got me there, but I didn't want to go the places it sent me. So I'd still ask, Lord, show me the way in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, we thank you today in the name of Jesus. How many of you are willing to say, I'm ready to lay down my, you don't have to respond, but how many of you are ready to lay down your pride? You're ready to submit yourself to God, and then, therefore, you will resist the devil and he will flee from you. You'll find him under your feet. That's why I like to stomp because he's under my feet. Father, I thank you right now for for those that are willing, Lord God, to be made aware. Father God, where they've stepped off the center line to where where they're uh, going from wherever direction they want to go. But Father God, I thank you that you're able to bring correction into our lives in Jesus' name. And Father God, we repent of pride. And we ask you for a spirit of humility in Jesus' name. And Father, we desire to be a blessing to you. Amen.